Oh my, time heals all, but you out of time now. Judge gotta watch us from the clock tower. Little tear gas cleared the whole place out. I'll be back with the hazmat for the next round. We was trying to protest and the fires broke out. Look out for the secret agents, they be planted in the crowd. Set a civil unrest, but you sleep so sound like you don't hear the screams when we catching beat down. Staying quiet when they killing niggas, but you speak loud when we ride. Got opinions coming from a place of prison. Sicker than the COVID, how they did them on the ground. Speaking of the COVID, is it still going around? TTT Technical Difficulties with Praveen Sivakrishnan. Welcome to Technical Difficulties, the podcast to relieve my sanity for your entertainment. My name is Praveen Sivakrishnan, also known as P-R-V-S-E-K-N on Instagram. Uh, it is right now 8 p.m. in the afternoon in Toronto. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different than the others. We're going to be taking a little bit more of a serious turn on it. Uh, there will be one or two left, sure but it's going to be towards a much more serious atmosphere. Um, so on a roll call, I have uh, four, three of my close friends with me who are going to be uh, just uh, going on their names. Uh, Helner? Yeah, so my name is Helner. Uh, you can find me at Doom Surfer on IG, so it's like D-O-O-M, Surfer, all together on Instagram. Yeah, and Idris? Hey everybody, uh, I'm Idris Cabell. You can find me on Instagram uh, at Idris Cabell. That's I-D-I-R-I-S-K-A-B-E-L. Nice, nice, nice. And Yi. Uh, hello, I'm Yi. You can find me on Instagram at yi.lian underscore. Hmm. Nice, nice, nice. So what I usually do on this podcast, I, I don't have a certain like motive, whatever I want to do, but like it's always about things I want to know about and things like I just want to discuss about. So in the midst of quarantine, we've all seen the famous video of George Floyd, a man who was being kneed down to death, uh, pleading for his life. And in that sparked uh, the, the, the latest in the Black Lives Matter movement, which, which personally for my sake, uh, I feel is the most powerful one due to the amount of attention people have been holding within quarantine, as well as taking to the streets, protests, um, the rioting, and getting uh, as many legislations from uh, from all the, all the killers to be arrested. But there's also a sense of, I guess, buildup from all of this, especially um, with many uh, uh, situations of the education system that I wanted to bring up to, uh, today, especially um, within our high school careers, as well as within even our towards our university careers with rising movements such as Stolen by Smith or Stolen by Feast coming up. Um, and I just want to discuss with you guys kind of like what kind of racial encounters you guys kind of faced as youth in elementary and high school and like what kind of what what makes I guess like what was like I guess a driving thing that you took in personally from this whole Black Lives Matter. Um, Helena you want to start off first? Yeah um, for me like um, like I'll be blunt like I, I grew up in the hood for most of my life so it's like I've seen at first hand what really, what classism, what racism really does at the front lines. And I think I've seen it not only in my life, but in the lives of my parents and the people all around me. And mainly for the biggest time of my life, the only thing that I knew. So um, for me, a lot of it was, uh, I think, noticing the other side of town that was so different and noticing how my life wasn't supposed to be normal and like the things that I was going through weren't supposed to be normal and I think my biggest awakening was like um I guess like I say like my social justice awakening would be like uh in school um we had the social we had the student council and oftentimes the people who were elected were always like the racist kids and one year I saw who's running and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not letting that happen. I'm going to run myself. And I opened up the social justice uh, and equity um, like club or chamber part of student council. And from there on, like, I learned so much. And that's, that's my story. Definitely, I can see that. Um, and now to Idris. Um... Sorry, could you repeat the question just so I can do it one more time? Like, 
what, what was like the first, I guess, like encounters you had racially within elementary and high school and like what kind of like struck you out whenever, you know, some kid would uh, racially discriminate you, like, especially within our school, like, you know, our school, Martin Grove, our school is like, yeah. it's a really tangent based school. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, definitely. It was very, like, the Black struggle, in a sense, if that makes sense, was very normalized. Like, I grew up, mm. like, like just like what Helmer said, like, I grew up, like, in the Black struggle. Like, I grew up in the hood. Like, my family, like, grew up in community housing. Like, my family still lives there right now. Um, and it was just a very normalized situation. Like, there would be police officers, like, parked outside of our apartment building nearly every single night, and I never thought much of it. And it was so, so strange to me when I started learning about, like, Black Lives Matter, and I started learning about how, like, racist the justice system and the education system are, I started realizing, oh my God, like, this is not normal. Like, it's not normal for police officers to, you know, ask you where you're going, where you're coming from, or, oh, do you live here? Or, oh, did you see anybody, like, selling drugs or anything, you know? Um, and also, like, I just get, like, followed in a ton of grocery stores. Like, even when I was in, like, middle school, like, I'm a kid, like, bro, what are you doing? So mm -hmm. that was a big experience. Um, and you said, like, what were my experiences, like, racism at, like, in our school? Yeah, even within our school. Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of watermelon jokes, a lot of fried chicken jokes, uh, um, just a lot of, a lot of jokes about people, like, saying, like, bro, I'm hood, blah, 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 but then, you know, they'll go back to their houses with their nice big pools and, you know, and their, you know, game rooms and all that, so, um, just a lot of, like, black jokes that are, like, kind of played off, and, like, towards the end of high school, like, I stopped being friends with a lot of these people, but, like, mm -hmm. in earlier to, like, mid-high school, like, I was friends with a lot of people that would make certain jokes, and then, think it's okay because oh like Idris is my buddy like no biggie like don't worry he knows it's not racist but no right. no it's very racist yeah it was yeah. like kind of like this the whole subtleness like even I guess I feel it was like if I had that similar feeling like just like if if I wanted to be friends with these kids like I'd just be like you know just like shove it off when like really those jokes like hey you fried curry or like hey you um brown skin like all that shit like it just still mm. hurts but like I it's like it's almost like I'm just like putting myself in this like little shell just like to show off and it's like oh like you know I think they're cool with it if I say the n-word or something like that but really it's not mm -hmm, yeah yeah uh how about for you Yi? anything like within your high school especially uh for your um, like, perspective yeah so like for my high school I went to a very predominantly white high school and I think there was just so much, like, there was a lot of normalized microaggressions that would occur from, like, that school, and not just the students, but I noticed, like, there were quite a bit of these microaggressions that came from teachers, and I feel like a lot of them didn't realize it at the time. Um, I think one of the most common ones that I experienced that, like, I remember from high school was, like, when like teachers would always mix up or mis mispronounce the names of students of color in their class when that wasn't something that they would do to white people. And like, I get that it's one thing for a teacher to like, you know, apologize for accidentally mispronouncing your name the first time or like mixing you up with someone of the same ethnicity for like the first day. But I noticed that that was like a really common thing that happened with teachers who had me for as a student for even like a year. And I think that it's really something that's overlooked a lot of times and kind of dismissed as like teachers just being like, oh, bad with names or like not caring about their students or whatever. But um, I think it's like, cause your name is more than just something that people can call you by. It's also how like the rest of the world identifies you and for students and especially mm -hmm. students of color, like a teacher who knows their name and can pronounce it correctly. Like it just shows that they respect them and it helps like make a critical step to like helping them succeed in school. And when like marginalized students encounter teachers who don't care to take the time to learn their name correctly or are like actively mixing their name up with other students of the same race when they look nothing alike, like it promotes exclusion and makes students feel as if they're minimized to just skin color as their sole identifier to their teachers. And like to even suggest that a name it's like difficult to pronounce or something. It's really, I think it's really problematic because 
like it the only reason they're saying that it's difficult is because it's just culturally different yeah definitely definitely it's always like the ident like the color is like seemed as like the identity of person like like what mm -hmm. each person is seen as like i remember um there was this in incident with our principal at our high school where um some white students were handling some um drugs in the bathroom right and there was like a black student with them as well right mm -hmm. but like they all had an equal share but instead the principal decided to like let like the white students go and then suspend the black student even though he was like the only black student in that like situation and i remember like many of my friends were just like horrified just like why would our principal do that but they try to like hide it up as much as possible that it was like just like as like a looked over incident and that it was just like seen as nothing or he was just like he was just like, the only person there rather than him be with a bunch of other white guys and it's just like that whole idea of just like blaming it on the color is just like it, it drives me mad like sometimes whenever i'd go to metro with like my colored friends we'd always get like weird looks but then like if i went with like my white friends it would be like kind of like a more appreciative looks i i swear the manager there's like whenever kids of color just go there it's always like he he, he like steps brings like one or two um uh, uh workers there to like the front just like manage the front thinking there's going to be some sort of rowdiness there and usually it's like the white kid who starts it mm -hmm. yeah mostly mm -hmm. within like yeah, yeah you go ahead yeah even in the tdsb if you if you even look at the statistics right like mm -hmm. um i think i saw i'm, I'm pretty sure half of the people who were expelled um, from TDSB at one point were all black, despite mm -hmm. black people, black students actually being a really small part of the TDSB population. Like, it's really crazy. Mm -hmm. Definitely. With the TDSB, it's like they have this weird, um, I guess, even with their whole like education of racism and stuff, you're only like taught about it once, like, hey, MLK went on the steps and stuff or gandhi just like advocated rights and stuff but really they were much more radical than that like uh, i read this article on i well on ig as a thread and it was just showing how like radical mlk did um how he called out the various uh, presidents at the time for not uh proclamating the bill and like there's a sense like i feel there's also this uh there's a sacredness to uh racism and like discussing it in a school setting especially like when you're educating the kids at a very young age, you can only do do so much, but it has to be at a much more higher capacity than what it means. Is that understandable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like the TDSB and like a lot of other education boards, like they're very whitewashed in the way that they address history and racism. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I feel it's also like, even within the background of many students, not just white students on, on my part, I'd say even even just as equally as racist can be the brown parents and stuff, especially those coming into Canada. Like my parents, yeah, we many like uh, Asian or Oriental based or East Asian, South Asian, they came to Canada because there was like some mm -hmm. war stricken country or like because they're uh, they were fleeing from uh, military or something like that. But it's the same sense that that knee of oppression that they had was the same knee of oppression that killed George Floyd or the countless others. And just like, I think it was the 1965 mm -hmm. uh, immigrant bill in, uh, in the US. That's, that's kind of like, I, I saw this from a Hassan Minaj uh, Patriarch video, but it was like, that was like the CC that put all of us, like all people of color, like have that equal right. And not just uh, people black, uh, black of uh, black uh, heritage. And there's also a sense, though, of fear when you, when we, uh, the South Asian and Asian people approach it. We love Black culture, but with my parents, there's a sense that if a Black man were to enter the room, it, it would be scary for them. Like, Helner, Helner I'm going to even discuss this, like, based on you and me. I had to wait a bit before I told my parents, and they were comfortable with you being a Black roommate before I saw pictures, I explained their whole uh, situation, how they they had this whole stereotype, like even even when we were driving by the car, there's like a subtle stereotype. It's like, oh, that black kid, he just like, he, he won't go anywhere. And I, I just like, I just look at them like, oh, it's like, why, why would you say that? Just by like looking at him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 
otherwise like there, there's like such frustration even within like both the parent uh, community as well as what the teachers can do to successfully like put the students in that uh, to understand the severity of the situation while also like being much more I guess openly about it I don't know my whole experience with it is like I think I've gotten so frustrated looking at teachers like being mad at teachers to the point where it's like it's not even just the teachers anymore at that point it's like really if you look at it at a systemic level it's really like crazy I think the TSB really is one of the most vital forces in really enhancing and advancing racism not only mm -hmm. in like the world but even like if we think about in Toronto a lot of people they mm -hmm. want to point fingers at like the American school system the, mm -hmm. the the New York school system but when it comes you could literally see racism in Toronto yeah definitely. yeah for sure um I want to discuss it with you guys now what do you think it means to be a teenager of BIPOC or people of uh, color and stuff, uh, identity? Like in today's time, like, do you feel that there's a sense that you should look like you should always use your platform or like advocate in a sense, like actively and that you should stand out? Um, Idris, you can go in. Uh... Honestly, yeah, like I think I, I don't think I'm obligated to, but I feel like it's an opportunity and I think it's something that I really want to take advantage of, if that makes sense. Because, so two things, sorry, two things. Um, I'm a rambler, by the way. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's totally fine, totally fine. So, two things. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of being, okay, so being a colored or like queer teenager, I feel like in your first stages, maybe when you're like 13 to 15 or 16, um, you sort of just go along with whatever's been normalized, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially if you've grown up in like a religious household or you've grown up in like a mainly like white school system or, you know, neighborhood or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then in your later teens, especially like right on like the fringe, like before you enter your 20s, which I'm on right now, um, you start to sort of wake up and you're like, oh, like, this is all very, very wrong. And I think I'm definitely in that stage. Like, I've been in it for a while, but, like, now I'm, like, really in the thick of it. Um, I saw, I keep seeing on TikTok, like, people are always, like, um, oh, Gen Z is going to change the world. You know, Gen Z, the boomers are mad. The millennials are mad. And, like, there's this huge infringement now. People are saying, like, there's a huge um, difference between millennials and Gen Z. And it's very, very true. I think people mm -hmm. our age are definitely all about, no, 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 we don't like this system. We don't like the structure. We don't like what's been normalized. Let's change it. And let's say something. So I think I do, I think I do have a responsibility. I take it back before what I said. I do have a responsibility and then have an opportunity to say something. So when I'll see something going around, um, that's like those big like viral posts about like, let's say like a case like where somebody was like murdered, like in a, like it was racially motivated. I'll do my research and then I'll post about it, you know? Um, yeah. Or just something that's been, something very popular that's going around, like especially, like it's like said, it's like popular currently, but a lot of uh, talk around sexual assault has been going around, right? Mm, where people definitely. are a lot more comfortable now speaking up about their sexual assault. And it's good, I think, because Gen Z has normalized it. And we've normalized speaking up about abuse and assault and that we need to hold people accountable, you know? And I think it's the same thing with race. So mm -hmm. I think being a black teenager, definitely there's a lot of responsibility in terms of speaking up and saying something, but also sort of watching my back in a sense, you know? Now mm -hmm. I definitely would say when I enter a classroom and when I enter, like when I used to walk into residence or, you know, when I go shopping or whatever, I definitely keep a lot more in mind but I'm also ready to say something should something occur. Like if I'm, I've, I have not been followed in a store maybe for like a year or two years. And mm -hmm. if I was being followed, I can assure you I'm a very loud person. <laughs> and I would say, hi, sir, why are you following me? You know, and I'd right. say something. And I'd whip out my phone. I, I, I'm not good at editing videos, but I'm gonna post a TikTok. So <laughs> like mm -hmm. I would make a video about it. I'd get it out there. So um. Yeah, I think there's a lot of responsibility, but it's an opportunity people can really, you know, jump on, take advantage of. Definitely. Do you feel it? I wouldn't say, I, 
would it be white guilt, I guess, like, especially like coming from this movement that it causes, I guess, you to be seen like, are, are people to like now less approach you or like, if they were to approach you and then like see the reasoning, like, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, the, with, in, okay, so I have a friend, let's call her, let's call her Sarah. Okay, so my friend Sarah, we've been friends for a very, very long time. Um, and she recently, the white guilt has really jumped out with her. And she goes, oh, like, what's that? She'll say something, she'll go, oh my God, was that so rude? Oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. I didn't mean to be microaggressive to you. I didn't mean to, you know, she'll just, she's like, you know, really falling all over her words. And, you know, she's saying so, like, I'm so sorry for all these things. People are a lot more sensitive around this issue, which I really think is important, but I don't want you to be sensitive. I want you to be proactive, if that makes sense. Like, is that answering mm -hmm. your question, if that makes sense? Like, that's great. Like, I saw, I, I remember I reposted something on Instagram that was like, um, this whole movement is not about you being nicer to your three Black friends. It's about standing up for all Black people. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I don't care if you're sensitive around me, Sarah or mm -hmm. Becky or whoever you are. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're nicer to me. Stand up, say something, do something. Mm -hmm. Donate, open your purse, do something. Definitely. So, you know? Definitely. Um, Helner, how would you say as a, on your perspective too, as a uh, Black teenager growing up and like, what does it mean now? For me, I think I really agree with what you just said. Um, we have like as a black person we have the opportunity we have the chance to really speak up right now and even to add to that i think it's not something that people outside of the black community should really see as something that's required of us i think it's something that is difficult and it should be um i think there needs to be seen the difficulty that comes within activism the difficulty that comes within having to live with this and having to continue to do it, but not seen upon as with pity and not seen upon as like something like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but really that proactive piece. Because if it doesn't get acknowledged, like the work that black teenagers are doing right now, if it doesn't get acknowledged, like that's a really big problem. But also we have to find that middle point as well. And I think a lot of times there are people who, they feel um, they feel a little bit alienated by their black kids who feel alienated by Black Lives Matter. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking like about black kids who disagree. I'm talking about like I see people in my neighborhood, in my hood, who low key, if they were to go to a Black Lives Matter protest, they wouldn't fully vibe with it because they know mm -hmm. at first hand there are people out there in that audience who at the end of the day, they're going to call the police on them if they see them at their store. Mm -hmm. So I think action speaks louder than words, especially when it comes to um, this sort of thing. And really with the question, yeah, like being a Black kid right now isn't, it, activism isn't, shouldn't be the forefront. I feel like for the mm -hmm. Black teen experience, like let me live as like mm -hmm. a, a kid. I should be Definitely. allowed to be a teenager. Definitely, yeah. Um, kind of like, I guess, especially for these times right now, do you feel that like being a black teen in quarantine or like, especially being like, I know we were talking about this, like how we wanted to go to the protest, but then like our parents would not let us because of quarantine. Like, do you feel like activism at that point would just be like, I guess, limiting only since I say, like, you know, how, like, the whole IG trend of guess of just posting threads and stuff, just because, like, did you feel that would be, I guess, like, the method in this time, or? I think um, there are many different, I think we need all hands on deck with the activism, with the advancement of so many different causes right now. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's really a great opportunity. Mm, definitely, definitely. How about you, Yi? How would you say, as a um, an ally of color, um, mm -hmm. like just just like our 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 position, or like what would we be doing in a sense? Mm -hmm. Like 
what do you mean like could you repeat the question <laughs> it's fine um like how would we what is our role as a person of color mm-hmm. who okay yet like because like most of these have been black lives uh, yet they are a person of color like what is our role as a mm-hmm. teenager to like stand up for these rights like what do you think it is i mean i think like i agree with this being an opportunity for like BIPOC like teenagers like taking a stand and speaking out um but I feel like I don't feel like it should be treated as like a responsibility for people to kind of speak out you know like not like not like it shouldn't be a responsibility for them to like care about it but it shouldn't be a responsibility that's like forced onto us even though Mm -hmm. it kind of is like Mm -hmm. Because, like, I don't think anyone wants to go through the emotional labor or the mental labor labor to have to, like, deal with um, all these systemic issues. Um, But, like, we know that we have to advocate for change if we want, like, like, both us and, like, other people to feel safe and validated within these systems. Mm -hmm. So, like... I feel like there is a really big notion that, like, oh, like, I don't know, like, BIPOC people should be, like, standing up to kind of create the change. But I feel like that's kind of the wrong narrative, in a sense, because it's kind of, like, promoting us that, like, we should be teaching white people. And Mm. I don't know, I feel like I feel like before before the entire Black Lives Matter thing, I, I honestly myself, I wasn't that educated on what racism was exactly. Because like I knew that it was like people like being like like treating other people unjustly because of their race. But I wasn't really that aware of like the systemic background between like behind racism and how like how like there is a racial hierarchy and Mm -hmm. it's not like all racism is equal and like i feel like as like as like a racialized person but like that who isn't black i feel like a big thing that we as like south and east asians have to kind of dismantle is like the entire model minority myth because Mm -hmm. like for so long, it's kind of been used as a scapegoat to create a wedge between like certain people of color and um, black people to like justify the mistreatment of them, I guess. Like, because it makes like East Asians and South Asians appear as like, I don't know, like polite and like law abiding people um, who like seem to have achieved a, like a greater level of excess, but like, like you don't realize that that narrative was not created by like Asian people like it was created by white people to like further segregate the racial hierarchy and Mm -hmm. I think like like obviously it's important to not like let your or like let our voices drown out the black voices um but like kind of tackle our own part that we have in this racial hierarchy kind of mm-hmm. definitely it's always like i guess like because like we i it goes back to like we're all people of color like we all get that same discrimination from white people but mm-hmm. black people has just like been so scarily and like horrifyingly just like excessively mm-hmm the point of like murdering just like a black person just because they look like a Mm -hmm. black person that we have to like raise the bar for black people to like be able to like be approached in the same way at least Mm -hmm. with us or even at at least like at the same level as a white person and that like Mm -hmm. every single person has like an equal chance of being harmful or peaceful Mm -hmm. like you can't just judge from the skin of of a person or like the hoodie they're Mm -hmm. wearing or what the action they're just doing and like Mm. yeah I feel like a lot of people try to like treat it as like the oppression Olympics like oh like who's 
more oppressed, I guess. But mm. um, like, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that like different types of racial discrimination is like different. Like, mm-hmm. like when I see other East Asians like, like justify kind of not taking action with the Black Lives Matter movement because like I've like they feel like unrelated to the struggles of black people or other people of color because mm-hmm. like the model minority myth like it makes it makes Asians uncomfortable for us to talk about racism and mm-hmm. it can be like really uncomfortable for us to stop and try to reflect on our own privilege even though we are people of color um mm-hmm. but like I feel like a lot of Asians don't realize that like all we'll ever be for talking about like racism against black people is like uncomfortable and like being uncomfortable is never going to like be equal to a black person being in danger and like as Asians like we do have privileges in society that black people like don't experience right now like I'll Mm -hmm. never need to be afraid of like the police because of my skin color Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a narrative that we have to kind of dismantle that like all racism is equal because it's like not you know Mm -hmm. definitely it's always like because of this age and the technology of technology that it's it all comes down to educating both not just the youth but the millennials and everybody on the oppression the amount of pain and torture of like Black lives have gone through. And not even like within that, um, many, many other threats have started popping up. Like I said earlier about the sexual assaults, like I know with like Langston Francis and a bunch of other celebrities. Um, uh, many uh, about like even uh, South Asian or East Asian cultures or just like all mm-hmm. across like for different like awareness it's just because yeah. um, there's a sense of like information that can just now be accessed by like just looking, just tapping on someone's Instagram posts and looking at it. But that, that comes to my next thing. I want to know how you guys feel about the whole cancel culture and like just like Black Lives Matter becoming more of a, I wouldn't say it's not becoming a trend, but it is becoming a trend for some people, especially with that whole Blackout Tuesday thing. Mm. Um, I don't, okay. I- Okay, so there's cancel culture and there's call-out culture. I fully support call-out culture. Like, that's great. That's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. if I, I, I act upon call-out culture in my daily life, if my friends say something racially insensitive or racist by acting mm-hmm. even, or, like, if they, mis- they use somebody's pronouns that aren't their pronouns or, you know, they'll say something that's, like, a little yikes, where usually people would go, oh, that's not good, but I'm not going to say anything because that would just rock the boat. I rock the boat. So I say, no, 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 that's not good. I'm calling you out. And I always cushion it with, because you're my friend and because I love you, I'm telling you this nicely, that was not okay. That's call-out culture. Mm-hmm. If you care about your friends and your friends care about you, they'll call you out and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because you want to see them grow, you want to see them be better, and you want to be a better person. Call-out culture right. is very, very healthy. It's mm-hmm. just that people don't like being called out. And mm-hmm. that sucks and it's uncomfortable. Everybody wants to go, oh my God, change is uncomfortable. Oh my God, if you're uncomfortable, like that's a great thing. But then when they're uncomfortable, they're suddenly worried and they're like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. No, no, yeah. no, you're just growing and you're learning. Buckle up, mm-hmm. come on, you know? Cancel mm-hmm. culture, essentially, like let's say Praveen said something really racist. That's mm-hmm. like me saying, Praveen, how old are you? 18 years, 19? Yeah, they made 18, how many, 18 years, how many months? Uh, like I don't know like five yeah five so the one let's say okay let's say god forbid Praveen said the n-word okay oh he said the n-word and it's in that second where the n-word literally is like two syllables a second or two seconds you're gonna take those two seconds and just push aside those 18 years and five months that he's been alive as a person and just say well everybody wrap it up Praveen's gone he's done he's canceled Mm. Cancel culture is 100% toxic. Mm-hmm. You can call somebody out, but you can't just say, you know what? You said this one thing. You're going to die on this hill. We're done with you. No one will ever like you ever again. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a rapist or somebody who's done right, something right. really Like actively, awful. yeah, on that shit. Like, yeah. if you're a rapist, you deserve prison life. You're an awful person. You are canceled. Like, you're mm-hmm. canceled. 
that's for you. Right. Um, but if somebody says something or does something wrong that they can come back from, they're not canceled. And everybody that just goes like a ton of celebrities have been canceled and it's ruined the reputations. It's ruined their lives just because of one thing they said or done. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody does something microaggressive towards me. Cool. You suck in that moment and you mm-hmm. suck in the aftermath, but you can get better and you can improve. Right. I, I'm a huge believer in second mm-hmm. chances, you know, even when it comes mm-hmm. to friends or anything, you know, but I don't think it's a good or proactive thing to go, oh, you're canceled. Because if somebody yeah. says something racist and we say they're canceled, it just makes them angry and the anger festers and they will become a full blown out racist, you know? Yeah, it just like mm-hmm. caused so, the problem to like grow even more. Like you want to like have them like develop these like non-racist like uh, biases instead, but you're just like pushing, I guess, even more fire towards them. Mm-hmm, yeah, you're 100% right. Like it's the same thing with children. Like if a child does something wrong, if you like hit your kid or you abuse your kid, it just hurts them more and it makes it worse. But if you're quiet with them and you're kind and you're like, hey, buddy, like that's not okay. Mm-hmm. You should be doing this instead. Deep down, everybody is a child. And if we treat everybody mm-hmm. with kindness, when we treat children with kindness, as silly as it sounds, we're a lot better off for it, is what I've discovered. You know? So mm-hmm. that racist white kid at your high school, if you treat him with a lot of kindness and you know, you keep him accountable and you call him out and you're nice to him and you know, you try to constructive kindness if you mm-hmm. enable constructive kindness with this racist white kid they could actually turn out anti-racist moving forward mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. those are my thoughts <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it's good it's good um the one thing though i would want to like i don't i don't want to say any names but i know my friends who are going to be listening, they would know this example because this is predominant. I know there's this post on someone's spam page in which they took, found screenshots of one of my friend, or I guess, I don't know, like quick, like peers, like saying the N word on a uh, group chat and he's not black, right? Mm. And then mm-hmm. this person radically just tagged a bunch of people, like a bunch of mostly, mainly guys who who weren't involved, but like, you know, they've been, they've said the word before, but in a sense, it wasn't racist, but they, it w- they did say it. Like, I, I can admit, I have said the word before, but that's like, now, like every time I, I, I like, I even like lost, like don't talk to people just because they constantly still say it. And it's just like, just like an eerie point. So like, how would you feel about that kind of cancel culture where they would like be like publicly like shown out or something like that? Mm. Do you, like, you want to take a swing at it or honor? Me? Yeah. Do you want to take a swing yeah. at it? Yeah. So like, like publicly calling out people for like mm-hmm. shit they've done. Just, um, like in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, yeah, no, first of all, I definitely agree. Like I support call out culture. Like I have, like called out friends for doing racist things um and like like but I don't support cancel culture for like exactly the reasons that you stated and like for like publicly kind of like quote-unquote like calling someone else out for like racist actions in the past like I kind of have mixed feelings about that because like like it's good that they have like been outed but I feel like there's a sense of irresponsibility with that by like Mm -hmm. publicly outing them because I feel like they need to be held accountable but how are you doing that by like publicly like placing what they did like on the internet you know Mm -hmm. like because situations like these they're really complicated and like I feel like this isn't the, the way for them to be held accountable for their actions isn't for them to be exposed to the internet. And I mm-hmm. feel like it almost seems like people who are reposting these things of like all these racist things people have done in the past, it seems like almost kind of like performative activism because I honestly don't know what you're trying to accomplish by 
kind of exposing this person like it doesn't promote change at all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it just it just shows them like it, it just shows the world like what they've done badly and mm -hmm. like if you do that to someone like how do you expect them to even want to change right all right i think you were telling me this uh on the day of the blackout tuesday how mm -hmm. like it's just like it's just a black square but like i mean what does it do right like it doesn't like mm -hmm. actively do something like it yes it involves i guess like the whole message and stuff but like it's just like it's just there right it's like the whole um like on like tv shows how they um um they're taking out the white actors and they're putting black voice actors or black actors mm -hmm. instead like what is that like sure that's good but like what does it do yeah exactly and like for Blackout Tuesday, there was this entire thing where there was like, there were like, I don't know, like 22 million black screens on the hashtag, but like mm. the petitions for Black Lives Matter black Lives only had like 11 million signatures. And it was just like, it was really obvious that a lot of people who were participating in this were doing it to prove that they were not racist. Like mm -hmm. they didn't really care about actively being anti-racist definitely oh my thing with uh cancel culture is a lot of the times non-black people want to speak out for the black community and they want to say things in like i guess in goodwill in like a good with good intentions but they end up speaking over people as mm -hmm. well like i don't want to hear non-black people speaking out about something someone else did and then using 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 words using so many different ways to attack someone who they hated already and weaponizing activism to hurt someone else like to mm -hmm. me that's just annoying mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and i think like definitely for the blackout tuesday thing there was this entire tweet about how like there were black organizers who asked like the public to stop posting the black screen because nobody knew who started the entire blackout tuesday thing mm -hmm. um but like people just weren't listening and it was kind of like like if you're not listening to these black organizers and what they're trying to tell you then like who are you trying to post this for definitely it's just like there yeah I, it was a weird thing, the whole Blackout Tuesday, like, it was, it, it didn't really accomplish anything, it just, like, it was like, oh, I'm fine, I don't, I, I'm not racist, you know, it's, like, kind of like how mm -hmm. people are, like, I have Black friends, so I'm not racist and stuff, or, like, I'm, like, you know, I mean culture people, I know cultures and stuff, but really, like, mm -hmm. the whole point is that you have to, like, promote the whole equality, like, actively within, like, your actions, as well, or as well as, like, what, is prohibiting many black people right now. I know like the whole jail system and shit right now, even in, within Canada, like the amount of like it being uh, black people as opposed to like white, uh, white patrons is just like ridiculous or like stuff like that. Like you have to understand like, the core things like the actual like pain, not just like within your community, but also like exterior. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, this next part, I want to, like, just, like, we're almost a bit done, but, like, what I want to talk about what, especially, like, uh, Idris, you're talking, uh, I want you to go over, again, like, what you were talking about with us earlier on whole SJU stuff, because I know, like, you were actively promoting about the uh, equality there and, like, how it's just been, like, a very predominant right, white community and stuff, and, like, just, like, the slings and slant, like, people just take at you like it's nothing. Like going into university. So maybe sort of elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, if you're comfortable. Yeah. So my experience with SJ, like honestly, was a okay. So people who tend to people go to Waterloo. There's either two types of people. Okay. So there's people from like GTA, mm -hmm. and then there's people from like small small like <laughs> yeah like, there's a people lot who fully have never met a black person before like i literally mm -hmm. i shit you not sorry for 
No, 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 you can be explicit here. I yeah. have literally, I am literally, I have literally been some of my closest friends' first black friends. And they've like brought that up in a conversation one day and I'm like, oh my God, congratulations, like level up. Wow, do you want a medal? Like, it's so weird. So when I yeah. came to action, like, I'm su- like, like Praveen knows, like, I'm super extroverted. Like, I love getting involved in clubs and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I love making friends. Like, I am, I, like, I literally will walk into, like, the cafeteria and I'll go, I'll sit down with a random person. I'll be like, hey, like, my name's Zitteris. Like, how are you? Like, I'm that person, like, first week of school, first week of university. It's like, hi, like, let's be friends. And, like, I make friends very easily. And, like, for a lot of people at SJ, like, they, it, they would just say very insensitive things. And they'd make comments about the hair and like they just say certain things. And I'm just like, uh, that's not normal. That's not yeah. okay. Please don't say mm-hmm. that. And they're like, oh my God, like I had no idea. And like the other day, the other day, what am I saying? Quarantine. Time is not real. Like, it was like a month and a half ago. It was literally a month and a half ago. This girl I lived with and I was friends with in residence um, messaged me on Instagram and like I was posting about the protests and everything. And she goes, um, hey, like, I have a question, Doris, like, I don't want to be rude, but, like, I just really want to, like, know something without coming across as offensive, and, like, I know that you would explain to me in a very, like, kind, like, calm, normal, like, fashion. I was like, yeah, no worries, like, go ahead. So she's like, I don't understand, like, why they're protesting violently, like, they're not going to get their message across, like, Mm -hmm. violently, like, I don't understand, like, why they have to burn buildings and stuff like that, you know, like, it's just not okay, like, I agree with what they're doing, but, like, I don't understand why they have to be violent and, like, cause damage to, like, public property, like, it's just, I just don't understand it, and I was like, well, we're going to use the Sarah example, we're, I'm just, the Sarah name again, well, Sarah, like, you know, when we were protesting, peacefully when the Mike Brown shooting occurred and like um, the Trayvon Martin incident occurred and everything when we were protesting peacefully they didn't listen they, they mm-hmm. didn't care they didn't give a damn they didn't give a fuck um, but now mm-hmm. that we're protesting violently and essentially speaking their language and now that there's military coming into the streets you know they're really realizing we're speaking their language they're finally listening that's mm-hmm. what's getting them to listen up we have to speak the language of the oppressor and of the people. If you're talking to, if you're talking to a banker about credit cards, you have to know a lot about credit cards. And you have to speak from a business aspect. And you have to speak from a money aspect. And you have to sort of speak their language. You know, mm-hmm. if you're like, it's like it's kind of hard to explain. Like if you put it into like a metaphor. But I was like, essentially, they weren't listening when we were being peaceful. But now they're being violent because clearly violence is a very commonplace in America. They're finally right. listening up. So I was saying, if you think about it, this is their own community. And the people, the whole Target incident, I was essentially saying, like, um, the, the person who owned that Target, like, released a statement on Twitter or something and was saying, like, it's fine. We can rebuild the Target. Black Lives Matter. We stand with you guys. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. If you're more mm-hmm. upset about inanimate objects being and I said this I said if you're more upset about inanimate objects being broken and burnt but you're not actually upset about people being killed that says something about you and you really need to think mm-hmm. about this I genuinely mm-hmm. believe that a lot of the white people that I lived with at St. Jerome lived in this bubble they lived in this little like small town bubble or you know like oh I, it's all about me bubble and naturally mm-hmm. a lot of people are just like that and right. in North American society, we, it's very individualistic, you know? And it's hard for them to wrap their minds around, you know, oh my God, other people, oh my God. <laughs> other shit's going you on. Yeah. They don't get it. So when she was like, mm-hmm. finally, when I explained this to her in depth, she was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I just don't want other people getting hurt, you know? I just don't like that public property is being destroyed. Mm-hmm. I said, baby girl, like, <laughs> no, that's you don't even own the property. Why yeah. are you worried? Like, yeah. why are you worried? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even live in America. Like, you don't even live in Minneapolis. <laughs> we don't even have Target. Why are you worried? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, if the way they're protesting bothering, bothers you more than why, you need to think about your biases. So just a lot of that at St. Charles, I, I encountered a lot of, like, ignorance, you know, and it kind of followed me even, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then with a lot of leadership positions, like I applied to so many at St. Jerome's, like literally this thing called Frost Leader Advisor, um, Student Activities Member, um, uh, Community advi- like this Community Advisor Assistant like position, whatever. I got none of them. And when I went to the hiring committee for follow up, 
it was a hiring committee of all white people. I went to them follow up. They were just like, we couldn't say, we just liked the other applicants better. They had better, you know, answers. And I was like, okay, but what did I do wrong? And right. they just couldn't give me a clear mm -hmm. answer. And at the time I was like, well, you know what? I guess I suck. No, I have a big, big head. <laughs> I was like, no, there's something going on. No, 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 no. I'm the shit. Yeah. <laughs> so then the racism stuff like sort of started to come out at St. Jerome. I really sat there and I was like, oh my God, could the race thing really be a factor? The race thing was a factor, very clearly. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and then I emailed um, Scott Klein, the interim president at St. Jerome's, about the whole, so basically the backstory is like, he was using, he was, so professor at St. Jerome's said the N-word essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and basically students were, and she's white, her name is BJ Rye. Also oh, funny, right. her first name is BJ, really. Um, <laughs> 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 She basically said the N-word and these two black students were like, oh my God, please don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and she was like, no, I'm going to because I don't give a fuck. Also academic freedom, like you, she has tenure and she can basically say whatever she wants to have without getting fired. Right. It's supposed to be for academic uh. purposes. Yeah, it's, that's the whole point of tenure, if you guys didn't know. Tenure is solely for academic freedom. So they can do research and challenge ideas without being fired. Mm -hmm. So basically, I emailed the president back and forth, and he was like, something so messed up about him was, he was like, personally, I 100% agree with you, Idris, like, non-black people should not be using the N-word, like, it is not ours to use. Mm -hmm. I said, amazing, great. Second half of his email, he was like, um, but as an academic, you know, um, academia is the bedrock of our university and North America and you know we really should be crossing boundaries you know we really have to change the narrative around racial discussion mm -hmm. and I was like so yeah, like, personally personally uh, you you're okay you're not okay with using that word but as an academic you are mm -hmm. so it was mm -hmm. so it was just very back and forth with him and I, I, like, I was co-registered, like, it's a university called St. Jerome's. I, I co-registered that exact day. I was like, I want nothing to do with you guys. I'm purely oh, a Waterloo student. I don't want nothing to do with you guys. But it was just like, wow, it's, this is why, this is why racism is still such a big thing and stru um, structural racism and just like a ton of, it's just, it's a huge thing because of people like Scott and because of people like St. Jerome's who only think about themselves and they only think about like academia, you know, property and things like that. Mm -hmm. What about other people? We need to care about other people. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. No, nah, like I, I see that whole like perspective. It's just like the whole academia, just like, like not to tarnish the whole reputation that like, it's fine if they split, slip up or something like that, but even like they can't hold, hold their pre-conscious or even conscious thoughts about racism. And even with students, like just like spilling out the end, just like mm -hmm. at times you have to like understand that you're not just dealing with like white, a bunch of white students like 50 years ago. No, it's like a now much more diverse culture coming in, especially like with schools like Waterloo or even like for me and you situation recently with uh, Queens. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, like um, I think it was like a couple days ago, or at least now, I think it's two weeks. Um, this girl in fourth year named Kelly Suzu, um, Connor student, she created this page called um, Stolen by Smith, which is basically a copy of Harvard Black Law. Shout out Kelly Zhu, she's a really nice person. But she kind of just like kept it as like an open page for commerce students, well, as well as other students of different faculties across Queens, which is known for its very highly toxic, uh, predominantly white uh, background, as well as the, like racist uh, uh, props and stuff. So then she brought it out as like an, an open box for students to like lay down the various incidences such as sexual assault that they receive as a queer, uh, queer person, as a person of color, as a black person, as an indigenous student, the, the list goes on. And mm -hmm. that shit scared me. Like you, 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 call, you called, you were talking, texting me like nonstop yeah. about that shit. Yeah, like it, I guess it's like, it's like even if I wasn't going into Queen's Commerce, like reading all that shit it just like like it fucks you up like mm. like the more you read the more you're like like you don't realize this when you like apply to these schools no but, like no like like i, I, I knew also, it was gonna yeah. be like queens like for queens mm -hmm. there's gonna be some form of racism but i didn't know not yeah. know it was gonna be like this fucking severe and it was mm -hmm. like 
Like, I knew, I knew, like, the reputation that Queen students had for being racist, but I had no idea that this would be an institutional problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it would just be, like, the students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like, and like yeah, it's like it's different once you realize like you read them and you feel terrible for these students, but then you realize that like all this racism and sexism, like you're going to have to go and experience like in the fall. And mm. like you just like I just can't believe that I have to be worried about like normalized racism when I'm going into like university in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, also, it also adds to that whole thing about how people think, oh, these black kids are getting into the university for free. They don't even care about your grades. They're only trying to fill up the quota. But they don't even realize how much work gets into being black and going into university. Mm-hmm. Like, the statistics are there, like, of how many black students graduate, of how many students get enrolled into university. It's obvious that there is. Uh, sorry, you want to repeat the last part? Added fact that they have to deal with. Um, oh, am I like? Is it like? Yeah, you just like. Bad internet. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, just God. repeat that last part. Yeah. But basically, what I'm saying is like a lot of times it's not just um, people only see that black students are getting in because of their grades or whatever, or no, no, not because of their grades, but only for their skin color because they don't deserve mm-hmm. to get into university, but they don't really acknowledge that many of these black kids are the first in their family to ever even get a university mm-hmm. degree in the first mm-hmm. place. It's difficult. And to deal with racism and having, having to struggle to be like, Getting a degree is difficult. Like undergrad mm-hmm. is difficult. Uh, master's diff. Everything's education is not really meant to be easy. But if you're adding unnecessary barriers to people, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. De- definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. There was a sense of like panic, like mm-hmm. when I realized it was going to be this severe coming out of the Queens, or even like. I'm sure like other universities have like also been like started popping up, especially within the business schools, but like, but there was also a sense of, I guess, proving a sense of proving. Cause I know like the, um, the, the, the level of the playing field of people of color is going to be a lot more lower than uh, white people or Caucasian people, obviously. And even though we have the sense to, it's always like what my parents say, like, especially, when I went to a predominantly white uh, school, uh, middle school, um, you have to approve them. Like, show them that you have the power to be better than them academically and that you can triumph yourself. There's a sense, it's in a sense, yes, they would still disregard you, but like, if you took the power, like if I had the power of a white man for a day, like think about like what can happen or like what respect I can get out of that. I do, I do, however, wish that there was some sort of, I guess, clearance, especially like I know with the whole stolen by uh, Smith shit and like how like even with the props and stuff, they've been just going in circles and circles because like they, they want to like acknowledge it, but like they don't, they, 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 it's always like the statement like, oh, we have this problem. Yes, but we will get mm-hmm. better and stuff. But really it's nothing at the mm-hmm. point. Yeah. But... And- like it's like, kind of oh sorry yeah. no no you, you go you go no, no yeah I was gonna say it's kind of like you don't know who you're supposed to go to for help when like the literal institution is like blatantly obvious that they don't care and like like I know there's this notion of like everyone being like oh like you have like the responsibility of being like strong and like doing better than them and like meeting your circle or whatever and like like that's definitely something that we have to do, but I just hate that it's something that we're forced to do and mm-hmm. that it's like, it's something we shouldn't have to, but like we do. And like, mm-hmm. like I, like when 
people are like, oh, like, we need support for, like, um, I don't know, for, like, all these issues that are happening. And, like, I don't know, when, like, other people reach out to you, it's, like, I really appreciate, like, all the support that, like, I don't know, like, my friends and whatever are, like, giving, like, you. But, like, it's not the, it's not the support that you need. It's, like, I need queens to, like, support me by taking responsibility and, like, demonstrating that they know how to take real action. But it's just, like, obvious that, like, right now they just don't care. Mm -hmm. I feel it's going to be a whole lot different coming into, like, Mm -hmm. the whole sense of, I guess, wokeness that people have a feeling. Not just people of color, but also, like, white people in general. The Mm -hmm. the amount, it's, it's kind of like how the amount of white, it's, like, opposite to the amount of white guilt when Obama was elected. When, like, oh... Like, you guys got the whole thing. It was, like, um, as soon as, like, Obama was elected, like, you know, like, say there's, like, a black, there's, like, this situation where a black guy's on the street, he's, like, begging for some money. And the white guy's, like, oh, sorry, I voted for Obama. That's totally fine. I feel now it's coming towards now that opposite effect, I guess, especially with much more mm-hmm. educated people and, like, with, like, people like Idris being more extroverts, like, call out immediately. Like, now I have, like, I guess a much more confidence to like just even call out mm-hmm. my friends or like people or even i'm fine with even props if they come out with that bullshit mm-hmm. at me. i mean like yeah. as a first year student mm-hmm. yeah i definitely think that it's good that like i guess white people are becoming like the opposite of white guilt like you said like they're becoming mm-hmm. like more aware of mm-hmm. their of the situation mm-hmm. um because like in the end like like BIPOC, they we like we can't really do anything about this mm-hmm. situation because it's not a problem. It's not like a problem that we have that like white people are supposed to like sympathize with. It's like a white person problem that they have to fix. Mm-hmm. And like until like Queens or like all these other institutions, like until they realize that, like no matter how much like we as people of color or like students of color, like no matter how much we advocate for like nothing is going to change mm-hmm. you definitely. Know? definitely um we're about around at the, the hour and 15 minute mark around mm-hmm. um are there any final words you guys want to like share upon you know like, how you guys want to progress like with your friends and stuff or like what you expect in the future or, like any final words in general um I just want to say, like, anybody who's listening to this or will listen to this or, you know, for you guys even, um, keep people accountable. Call people out. I think that this, everything that's happened, especially now because we're in quarantine and, like, this is the big thing that we're focusing on, um, it's important moving forward to hold people accountable. Like, none of this racist garbage, like, is not going to settle with me and it's not going to sit right with me either. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, you know, complicit in all that before. But um, hold your friends accountable because all y'all posted on your stories. I better see that in person. Mm-hmm. And Miss Rona wraps it up and we're all back on campus. You better keep that energy in person. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like normalize, normalize call-out culture. And like, like when you do call people out, focus on trying to like educate them instead of just trying to make them feel like a bad person. Mm-hmm. Definitely. and like yeah. yeah like also like just try to call yourself out because mm-hmm. like definitely like conform like conformity it's like a form of self-preservation in like spaces that are majority that are majority white um but I feel like like being anti-racist it's not just something you do once it's like a continuous it's a continuous journey and like you like hold hold others accountable but all, you also have to like take a step back and like hold yourself accountable too definitely definitely uh Helen? i think um educating yourself not only looking at like i feel like most of the people who are going to be listening to this probably live in canada but literally mm-hmm. look at your city and what racism is doing to your city before you speak about other places and if you can join, if you can be a person who's an ally, if you could join a club, if you could join or even donate locally, I think that mm-hmm. is so important 
and looking really locally to your community as well because mm-hmm. a lot of people they want to look out mm-hmm. but it's happening right in front of everyone's eyes right it's better just like everyone handles their own thing and it communally becomes together yeah 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 for sure as a final word i know racism is not going to die no but right now it's still the majority and but in this tide that is the black lives matter movement with so many other events going on such as the coronavirus trump electing all that racism is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller each and every day with every action that people throw in by showing up to the protest um vandalizing or rioting oh, to a certain like extent for the purpose of the black lives matter movement donating especially to the various causes who can help bail out or put put the prosecutors of say um george floyd or Tiana taylor in jail still at this moment it's honestly takes a communal effort for all of us to tackle racism it's not going to be done obviously they're going to be like some hit kid or like millennial who's going to be still having these protruding thoughts but at the most we can help change them not call not pu- push them away from us in like a certain corner rather help them realize what they're thinking about and how we're all just like we're literally the same human being the only thing maybe that that defers us is like our looks and our skin and our culture and our identity but and like who we are as a person but we all come from the same person. We all deserve equal human rights and deserve to be on the same playing field as opposed to some being in the stand, some just being in the end, end zone. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to thank you guys for showing up, honestly. Uh, this was a really um, interesting podcast I've had to record. Most of them have been all jokes and stuff, but mm-hmm. this was like really informative and I really hope that to whoever's listening, it it opens your eyes. Like to hear it from your peer, the, I'm gonna call it one of my peers in a good way, um, Maya Kwanzaa and James Esamu For those two, as soon as they started doing their Instagram lives, it kind of just opened my eyes that people like friends of my own that I've known for years have been facing this kind of uh, abuse and like racism and things that like, I, like I've been just like blind to as well as like, just like shielding off and by calling it out, especially within your own friends and stuff, takes guts and just like helps, helps so many of us just like become more educated and more it's involved. And I hope many of you listeners go into that. like a zebra i call that jungle fever you and that control the threesome just roll the weed up until i get me some we formed a new religion no sins as long as there's permission and deception is the only felony to never fuck nobody without telling me